Hey y'all, this is Trent. I am part of No Walls Worship, which is a service. It's a mobile service of Bee Creek UMC. That, that phrase has been rattling through my head this last week, that we are a mobile service. We're, we're like a food truck. We are the grilled cheese food truck of churches. And it is Saturday night, January 20th, and I'm getting ready for service tomorrow at Crystal Creek. And I'm getting ready a little bit later than I like normally. Kids are in bed. At least they're pretending to be in bed. You might hear them giggling and playing with each other a little bit um, in the background. (laughs) But uh, nonetheless, I'm getting ready for tomorrow. And it's January 20th, and it's amazing how quickly we go from anticipating the new year to being fully into it. And, uh, but yeah, we were planning for some other stuff, uh, coming up on uh, February 4th. We're going to be back into our rhythm, uh, or into our rhythm that we've been in this first of the month and third of the month and coming up on first of the month, February 4th, where we're going to be over at Sycamore Creek. Uh, so first Sunday in February, we'll be there. That's going to be Super Bowl Sunday, but we'll do service early enough that you won't miss kickoff. Uh, and then we're also starting to plan for crawfish. We did crawfish last year on Easter Eve, and we'd like to do that again and are starting those plans right now. So it's it's going to be a good time. Um, I think that's it. It's a short intro today. I'm eager to roll into this message. It's It's titled, This is a Good Party, and uh, this is a good, good party. All right, um, let's roll into it. I want to tell you a story that Jesus told. And here's what I know about the stories that Jesus told, that in all of them, at least in the ones that I've studied so far, he was trying to help people understand God. He was trying to help people understand their relationship to the divine. He used words and he used metaphors to help people connect to bigger ideas that can sometimes be really hard to grasp. Here's, a, I think, a really important thing. Not, not every story was perfect. And what I mean by that is you cannot build and you shouldn't try to build an entire theology out of just one story. But all these stories, I think, help us understand God. The kingdom of heaven, they, they help us understand. And so I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story that Jesus told. And this one is in Matthew. It's called the parable of the wedding feast. This is going to be verse 1 through 10 in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus also told them other parables. He said, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them the feast has been prepared. The bulls and fattened cattle have been killed, and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. 
but the guests he had invited ignored them and went on their own way and went on their own way one to his farm another to his business others seized the messengers and insulted them and killed them the king was furious and so he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town and he said to his servants the wedding feast is ready and the guests i invited aren't worthy of the honor now Go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. So what's happening in this story? The king's throwing a party. The king's throwing a party for his son, and this matters to him. He feels so much love, so much love for his son that it spills, it, um, it pours in buckets out of him. His son is getting married and he wants to invite the entire kingdom. And this was what was custom at the time was for a master to send out his servants. Because it's y'all, there, there was no Facebook events, there was no evite, no email to tell people to come to this party. So the servants, they, they first, they go out to invite the inner circle, the elite few. And the people, the king is certain who will come to the party. And the servants are rejected. The people don't take the invitation seriously. So the king, what he does is he sends the servants back out. He wants to sweeten the deal he wants them to tell them about the dinner that will be served the place settings the twinkling lights that'll be above their head the the meal the company the music the atmosphere all of it will be magical but the invited guests they still say no i either have a business deal to attend to things are really busy at home maybe next time and not just that, some of the people the servants invite to the party are cruel. They mock, they ridicule, they even kill. And the king is furious. He's so mad that he sends out an army to destroy not just the people, but the city. Now, some will say, to understand real love, you have to understand what real anger feels like. But still, there's a there's a party to throw, a beloved son to be married, and so the king sends the servants out again. This time the invitation goes out to anyone and everyone, anyone who will listen. The servants go to the drunks, the prostitutes, the people who cheat on their taxes. This party is for everyone. And the servants go. Now, y'all, there's a lot here. And what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to get into some of this in future weeks. And I think it's going to take me about three weeks to really get through it and one of the things I want to look at is this this part about the king burning the city and 
uh, these folks that are not worthy of the honor of attending. But y'all, that's going to take me some time, some prayer, um, some serious writing, and I'm going to save that. But y'all, I can't ignore it, and I will write about it. But for now, let's just answer this question. And in this story, what's the main thing that Jesus is driving at? So the context of this story really is a a series of stories and the ongoing dialogue Jesus is having with Jewish leaders at the time. They, um, the Jewish leaders, they don't like how open Jesus is. They don't like how inclusive he is. They don't like that he's breaking their rules. And, and Jesus in this sequence, he's trying to get them He's trying to get at them that that this message that he's delivering to people is not dependent on the Jewish leaders accepting it. It's it's not about their religion and how they understand what it means to be faithful. It's it's about something bigger. And so the straightforward read on this story is look at how the king goes to the preferred wedding guest first and as they reject him he he expands his invitation. Jesus comes first to the Jewish leaders, to the Jewish people, and they reject him. And so he expands his invitation to the Gentiles. And that's a classic read, and that's a fair read, and we could spend time on that. But but y'all, that, that read of the story doesn't interest me that much. It's valid. <laughs> But where I really want to look and spend some time is at the servants. I want to look at the servants. Do you notice that in this story, the servants are unnamed? They are almost unimportant. But they are central to the story. I mean, really... They're the main characters, the servants going out and inviting people to this party. They are the ones carrying the invitation. They are the ones rejected. They are the ones ignored. They are the ones treated unkindly. They are the ones killed. But here's here's the thing. They, they still go. <laughs> they still go out and they invite people to the party. And let me stop you right there if what you're thinking is that this is about to be a message about soul winning. <laughs> what I'm intrigued by, what I'm fascinated by is not that. What I'm interested in is why. Why do they go? Why are they compelled to continue to invite people to this wedding banquet? And if if we were to go with an idea that the simplest answer is probably the best answer, then the answer for why they must go must be because they know how good this party is going to be. They they know what the king is offering, and that it can't it just it just can't be missed. All right. I promised I was going to talk about the Minnesota Vikings, and 
this is going to be hard for me. I'm a Chicago Bears fan. I'm, I might be stretching on this a little, the Vikings, but let me see if I can make this connection. Did y'all watch this game last week? This Vikings versus Saints, man. I, they are already calling it the Minnesota Miracle. It's a cla- it's it is instantly an all-time classic game. Let me try to set the scene. The Vikings were up 17 to nothing, 17-0 almost all the way through the quarter. But Drew Brees, y'all, Drew Brees and the Saints, they score. They catch up. In the fourth quarter, they end up taking the lead. And then they lose the lead with a minute left. Y'all, there is one minute and 29 seconds left in this game. And the Vikings are winning now. But in just over 60 seconds, think about that. Some of the pauses, <laughs> some of my dramatic pauses for effect take more than 60 seconds. In 60 seconds, the Saints are back up again. Y'all, at this point, it's over. The Vikings are getting the ball back with 25 seconds left in the game. They are going to lose. And... With 10 seconds left, 10 seconds, they are 61 yards away from the end zone. No timeouts. They are too far away to throw a Hail Mary. Even the, y'all, the quarterback is Case Keenum. Y'all, Case Keenum. You don't know who that is, I'm thinking. Case who? Keenum? Keenum what? (laughs) Y'all, this is the backup quarterback. The starting quarterback was hurt earlier in the year and honestly case is not even the backup he's the backups backup so what i'm what i'm trying to get at is there is there is no way and there's this great video that's circulating the internet right now and it's showing people's faces y'all it's (laughs) it's the stands during this moment with 10 seconds left when everybody realizes the vikings are going to lose the there's sadness this really good team down by injury long history of tough playoff losses long long droughts of not even making the playoffs and i mean a tortured franchise and no one no one thinks there's even a remote chance the vikings are going to win this game people are rubbing their faces burying their head in their hands tearing up at the season wasted shaking their heads and disappointed and disappointment and then and then the miraculous happens case freaking keenum throws a 40 something yard pass to stefan diggs and diggs he leaps he catches and for whatever reason the defender does this weird dive thing at Diggs' legs, and somehow Diggs is suspended in the air. He's defying the laws of physics, just hanging up in the air just long enough for the defender to slide underneath his legs. And Diggs is falling out of balance, and he's turning, and he somehow puts his hand down on the ground, catches his balance, and looks in front of him, and 
there is nothing in front of him but green grass, the end zone, a touchdown, and the Vikings win a miracle in Minnesota. And y'all, that great video was telling you about where everybody had their hands in their faces because they knew this thing was over. It gets even better with all these scenes of Vikings fans just losing their minds in excitement. But this is not, this is not how the king's servants were feeling. My friend Joe is the Vikings fan, and so, sorry Joe. The servants, they didn't play for the Minnesota Vikings. As miraculous as that was, I, I see the servants more as players for the New England Patriots. The servants were used to winning. You know, there's this similar comeback story that I won't rec recount from last year's Super Bowl, but the difference is everyone, everyone, ex <coughs> everyone expected the Patriots to win. It was miraculous, but no one was surprised. And sometimes, y'all, sometimes... I know exactly what the message is going to be and other times it, it gets sort of pounded into my head over a couple of weeks and that's, that's what happened to me this last couple of weeks is everywhere I was going, I was encountering these examples of folks either telling me about or demonstrating a, a peace that comes with experience, a a certainty won and born out of hardship. Now, some of you know the, the bank that I work for and, and some of you will know in detail or at least have a general idea of what a hard year it's been for my bank. It's It's been a year of intense change and really disruptive in a lot of ways, but... This week, I spent time in market with one of our leaders. He, he's got, he's got forty uh, something years, forty something years in the industry. He's he's a grizzled banker, and I want you to have a bit of a picture of him. He's he's a smoker. He has a tight beard. He's sl slender, tall. Wears a three piece suit. He's from New York originally. He's got that hard, rough uh, staccato to his voice. He's and uh, my, guess, my guess is if you were to open up the cabinets in his wood paneled office, you'd still find a bottle of whiskey there that he breaks out for closing deals. And he's worked with us. He's worked for my bank for almost 30 years. And I got to have lunch with him and he, he puts so many things in context for me. He, he understands the the cycles of the business, the things that are driving our revenue right now, the, the history of regulation. I mean, <laughs> he knew so much that it, it didn't worry him at all. And just hearing from him really put me at peace too. 
and then also I was I was talking to a good friend and he was talking to me about family and he was telling me about this story where where literally he was he was at the hospital caring for his daughter she'd been in a serious car accident and and he told me about getting a call at the hospital by the fire department to tell them his house was on fire. His life was on, his life was figuratively on fire. And then literally his house was on fire. And he talked to me about the peace that he felt that night, the release of knowing that he was completely out of control. Everything was in God's hands. And what my friend said to me was, you can't, you can't imagine that kind of release. You can't understand this kind of peace until you've had it and this unimaginable peace until you've lived through enough to learn to trust, to fall into the rest that is trusting in God. And y'all there, here's the thought that occurred to me. This is where I want to live. I want to live in the peace of knowing that I play for Tom Brady's team. I want to live in the peace of knowing we are going to win this game. The victory is won. The battle is over. The enemy is defeated. This, this is all going to work out. I want to be empty. I want to be empty of worry and stress and anxiety. I want to give it all away. You can have it. You can have all of my concern. So why did the servants keep going out to invite people to the wedding banquet? Why didn't they hesitate? Because they'd been to the king's parties before. And they know how good they are. And y'all, I I want us to look back at the beginning of this parable and I want to think about how it might be instructive to us. How does Jesus begin this story? He says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And I want to be careful because... I'm not talking about cities and clouds and angels playing harps. I'm talking about the kingdom of heaven, the same kingdom of heaven that Jesus talked about all through the Gospels. A kingdom of heaven that is right here, right now. The kingdom of heaven we are always being invited into. Sometimes we are stressed about business deals and things going on at home. And y'all, sometimes we are even unkind. But the servants are out and they're inviting us to the party anyway. They're inviting us to the party and there is love there. There is no stress there. There is peace there. There is no worry there. And if you've been to the party before, you know it's a good party. And not y'all, not only do I want to be a guest at that party, I want to be a servant of that party.
Hey, y'all, this, um, this message to me is screaming out for some kind of how-to, something instructional, um, how to, how to show up for this party and I don't know. I, there's probably some tips and tricks and we could probably talk about prayer and study and that's all relevant, but here's the only way I think I can say it. I've shared this illustration before, I think. Um, for my job, I, a lot of what I do is I travel around the state of Texas and, and what I do is I walk into our banks. I walk into one of our banks and I talk to the team and I talk to the team and I try to figure out stuff that they need to work on or stuff that they're good at to learn from. And, and if they need to get better at something, I try to help them get better. at it. And it's weird. There's this, there's this weird anxiety that will come off of people, especially if they don't know me. Here comes the big, bad corporate dude. <laughs> and so I work, I work really hard at putting people at ease in order to connect with them and to learn about them and figure out where they're at. And I was out um, recently with, with one of our leaders and he pulled me aside and he said, man, he said, man, you're, you're really good at putting people at ease. You, you disarm people. And that sat on me funny. I, uh, number one, I don't take compliments great, but Two, y'all, this, this isn't something I really feel like I'm good at. I, I always walk away from encounters like this and feel like I could have done a better job. But what I said back was, well, thank you. I, I work hard at it. And that is true. I do work hard at it. I'm nowhere near perfect, but I, but I work hard at it. And it occurred to me, why wouldn't I be good at something I work hard at? So I think that's that's your how-to. That's my how-to is making it a priority to show up for the party and working hard at it. I'm going long. Um, let me close with this. This is a prayer. It's a prayer out of the... David, prayer of David out of the book of Psalms. This is Psalm 27, 4. The one thing I ask of the Lord, this thing that I seek the most, my number one priority, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Put another way, the thing I seek most is to show up to the king's party. To live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Delighting in the Lord's perfections. And meditating in his temple. Y'all, that's it. <laughs> this is a good party. Thanks for joining.